Now the fun begins. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and of course, PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, interact with us in any way possible out there on the interwebs, wherever you're at, listening to shows. We're probably there for not let me know wherever you get a podcast at. And of course, follow us on Twitter at GPGC podcast to stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like and our dope giveaways. I'm your host as always, Travis White, a.k.a. Travis on most internet platforms. Joining me as always, my partner in crime, Mike P-Pack. Mike, my friend, what's good? What's going on? And we've been fucking grinding some Left 4 Dead too, baby. I'm, <laughs> I, I'm not going to lie. That may be the new, like, at least for a little bit, the new crack pipe. Like, it is, it is, yeah. I sitting at work today, I was like, you know, I'm gonna try to get a lot of this shit done just so I could be like, hey, so we uh, <laughs> we're playing some more scavenger. Like, what, what, what are we doing? <laughs> <laughs> what are we doing here? <laughs> yeah. So catch me up. La- Left for Dead Two. Why the fuck are we still playing this game? How many years later? What, like, twelve something like that? Um, yeah. compared to when we got what is supposedly the new new out there with Back for Blood. Yeah, um, there's something about um, Left 4 Dead 2 that I'm sure if you've played, you know, Left 4 Dead, Left 4 Dead 2 and Back for Blood, you may have noticed that there's just something about uh, Back for Blood that doesn't quite scratch that ish, itch. And I'm not 100% sure on what it is, to be completely, totally honest. I can't really put my finger on it but i can say that without a doubt the group of guys uh you know me you and marshy have been grinding the living shit out of left for dead 2 for better or worse mm-hmm. and uh i uh I'm, I'm happy that we've gotten back into it um it's one of those games that like you know we both admitted last night like i'll probably play this game forever and it's yeah. like literally true like in 20 years i'll probably have to fire that game up just to play a, a campaign or something because um, there's just something special about that experience with the, the way it was made. Um, you know, it just, uh, you know, it, it kind of marks part of the golden age of valve for sure. And, um, yeah, we've been having a lot of fun. There still is a little bit of a player base, even though, uh, rather notoriously, um, the left for dead two community is potentially one of the most toxic per capita because <laughs> there's not that many people and everyone involved is pretty damn toxic. So, yeah. uh, definitely an interesting place to play video games arguably not for the faint of heart. <laughs> um, but you know, with, with, with all everything else kind of just removed from it, uh, still a great experience. And I've been having a lot of fun playing with you guys and getting involved with it again. And Adam is like full bore, like hundred percent. Oh, he's, deep in yeah, he's hog, into so. it. it and he's one of those guys that like, He's one of those uh, when he come when it comes to games. There's he goes on certain binges where if it if a game gets his hooks into him, like that's it. Like mm-hmm. like he's gonna want to play that. Like if and, not, and, I, and I'm not saying that in a bad way. I'm saying that in a way that like there's only one thing that could scratch the itch when you have it for him, and like he'll he'll that will be it. That'll be it. That'll be the only thing that. Like, we're going to play that for a while. And then eventually, like, you'll fall off of it. But even when, even if it is, like, you know, something like that, that's just, like, primarily, hey, this game is best experienced with a group of people. He's going to go in there no matter what. Like, even if we're not available, okay, I'm going to grind this. Like, <laughs> there's no objective. Yeah, he, the game's just, the gameplay is just so fucking fun. Like, and, and he has no real, um warning either for when it's gonna be done Mm -mm. it's just like one day he just is done with that game yeah it literally the straight up like i don't want to play with you anymore from toy story like sid drops the toy that's adam with uh with with every game he plays at at one point or the other right no definitely um but no man it's been fun playing that like that's 
it's one like I like we you mentioned and we talked about yesterday. Like it probably is going to be one of those games that I'll play forever, or at least like at bare minimum, it'll always be a valid option to play. Like as long as we're able to physically get on that game and play it and like host our own games and things like that. It's a game I'm going to keep installed on my PC no matter what. I mean, and I take that back. It's almost 13 years that game's been out. I was getting, I don't know why I was thinking that uh, I'm getting Portal and Valve's release, or uh, Valve, Portal and Left 4 Dead's release dates kind of flip-flopped. Yeah. But I, but yeah, it's one of those games that I'm still going to keep in, installed on my PC at all points, even though it's, you know, we've been playing this game for, you know, almost 13 years. It's like, it doesn't matter. It's it's almost like the Halo, you know, I, how do I want to put this? It's almost like, you know, with Halo, it's I can go in and play Halo 3, Halo 2, even CE, those first three original Halo games. I'm OK playing those forever, or at least like that style of arena shooter that I can jump in, play that. And yeah, maybe I want a little bit of variation to that gameplay, you know, almost like subcategories of it, because each game is realistically a different take on the arena shooter. Um, they're great in their own capacity, but each one is a very different game. It's almost like how people talk about Soulsborne games. Yeah, mm-hmm. like Dark Souls 1, 2, 3, Sekiro, uh, Bloodborne, and then now Elder uh, Elden Ring. Um, yeah, they're all very much Souls-like games, and that falls into a specific category. But each of them has their own take on it to an extent. Like Dark Souls 1 doesn't play like completely like dark souls 2 like dark souls 2 doesn't play exactly like 3 and 3 doesn't play like bloodborne bloodborne's a much much faster game sekiro focuses more on parrying than the other one like they all take different approaches to that and that's why i think those games kind of stand the test of time because they didn't necessarily break the formula too much and i think that was that was more the thing of back for blood that yeah i don't have an issue with like when they first brought up the card system i'm not a huge like card component person like digital card component person um like i still i'll play games like you know uh gwent or i'll play games like you know um fuck from a hearthstone like things like that Mm -hmm. i'll get in and play but i'll never get deep into them and anytime i see that kind of rooted into a game's gameplay or at least a main hook of it that usually turns me off and surprisingly for back for blood that didn't do it. But at the same time, I think we were going into that. So ready to just have, Hey, I'm ready for left for dead three. Like that's basically what I'm expecting out of this. That's what has been pretty much, I think lined up for a lot of people is yes, this is, this is a new iteration of left for dead without the naming rights to it. Like Mm -hmm. that's what you're getting almost like, the Callisto Protocol is, I don't want to say is one for one, but it is very much like, hey, this is a game very much in the style of this, of Dead Space. We don't have the naming rights for Dead Space. I'm the original creator, and I'm leaning to create a vision on this, but I don't have the rights for Dead Space, but I want to continue that genre and that take. Cool, here you go. Um, and even, too, uh, like, if we want to look back even farther, the issue with Goldeneye and Perfect Dark, whenever Rare lost the IP to Goldeneye and the licensing rights to that, they wanted to continue on the success of Gold Knight because it was the biggest multiplayer console game going at that point ever. You know, we got to follow that up with something. So they made Perfect Dark just being like, well, here's our take on what the next iteration of Gold Knight would be. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully we're going to see that later on with the new rebooted Perfect Dark. But um, but yeah, it's it sucks that we didn't get that necessarily with Back for Blood. I don't think that game's completely done telling its story yet or at least that studio with that style of game um Mm -hmm. but what i hope is it really shows how much and even to like and i'm i'll i'm gonna get into it i guess when i start talking about what i specifically been playing um it even gets into more of the lines of and we talked about this a few weeks back on the show whenever um the one writer for the franchise came up it just makes me want Valve to actually properly just say, I think it's time for another entry. I think it's time. And I don't want to say they're not focusing on software because they are. They're re- they released Half-Life Alex. They released 
desk, uh, aperture desk job, which I'm going to actually talk about in a few minutes. But it makes me feel like this could have been handled so differently if it was just internally made by Valve mm-hmm. as a half or as a Left 4 Dead three. Just yeah. like, like I was saying, when I get into what I'm talking about, I played Aperture Desk Job because I got my Steam Deck, and that's a great you know demo for that piece of hardware. The writing, the atmosphere, just getting back into that world within the Portal universe was just like, fuck, I'm just ready for Portal 3. Like, just give me Portal 3. I'm just hoping that, like, I'm hoping that their take on it was like, yeah, like, because they were pretty radio silent about Back for Blood and Uh everything. And I'm hoping what the angle they're playing is, is like, okay, like, they kind of wet people's appetite for that type of game again. Like Source Two is gonna come out, a new CS go or a new CS is gonna come out with it, uh-huh. a new Left 4 Dead, and a new Portal is gonna come out with that uh, new engine. I'm hoping like that's kind of what they've been waiting on because, um, a I'm probably delusional. Some people might be thinking like, yeah, you're a clown for thinking that's <laughs> what's gonna happen. Uh, yeah, partially. Yeah, I would really like to see it. But Jokes like, on you! I already think I'm a clown. Literally, that's me. it's like, like <laughs> jokes I'm on you! I do the, the makeup every morning. <laughs> Yeah, I'm like the new Joker movie where I do my own makeup. Like, I know. Just fucking smoking heaters. Literally, I fucking know I'm a clown. But um, this is that's what I hope for. So maybe, just maybe, in the near future, uh, if Source 2 does come out soon, hopefully it does, um, they have some new software on the way with it too. Because that could be part of the problem is like, they kind of pushed Source Engine as far as they really could. And they didn't see a point to making a new game on that old software if they are going to be coming out with uh the new um engine you know what i mean Mm -hmm. no definitely and one guy to look at uh a lot uh for his work is tyler mcvicker uh used to run valve news network the um the kind of like go-to unofficial source of valve insider information like he was always the valve guy covering valve stuff Mm -hmm. on youtube and online in general uh does his own thing now just a straight tyler mcvicker um he's really good to check into he kind of has a lot of updates on you know, stuff that's data mined through various updates and builds of Valve games that are out at like Dota and um, and uh, Half-Life Alex and things like that that have a lot of stuff in there that mentions upcoming Valve projects. Uh, I know one that's still in development is Citadel that's like this RTS kind of iteration, um, but it's more based on, it seems like from my understanding... It's not that they're make, not going to make software anymore, but the software is being built around the hardware that they're making. And mm-hmm. I, part of me gets that. I get it. Like, I really do. The success, Half-Life Alex was super successful for VR, even though it didn't, it pushed what VR was capable of and was actually that title. Um, it sucks. I can't play because I just can't fucking do VR. I can't stomach it for some reason. Um, but it was that, hey, this is a reason to go out and buy at least an Oculus Quest or something like that. Like, this is a reason to go get at least an entry-level piece of hardware to play this game. This is the reason. Um, where, yeah, like, I'm expecting that when it comes to, you know, the Steam Deck and things like that now with how they're approaching a lot of it. Because Citadel, at least from what it sounds like, you know, if sources and reports are true, that's going to be really built around the inevitable and what is, you know, from what it sounds like in development, the Oculus Quest equivalent, or I guess I should say Meta Quest, since Facebook owns it (laughs) and now it's rebranded as that, but the Meta Quest version of what the Valve Index would be, their VR headset um, that it's able to do, you know, individual fingers and everything like that. Um, But it's going to be built around that and kind of shipped with that. which sucks, though, at the same time, too, because, you know, people like you, me, Adam, you know, so many people out there who play a lot of PC gaming, Valve is intrinsically tied to everything they do, whether it's Steam. But more importantly, so many people have just fond memories of fucking playing Valve games like mm-hmm. Valve was one of those stu- one of those from a development and software end that it was blind faith for a while. Like, you know, I was never a Half-Life person, perfect person, but I'm a counter-strike person out of that i'm also you know a huge 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 fan of portal like Mm -hmm. blindly if they came out and said yes we're going to be making you know portal 3 i'd just buy it 
just because mm-hmm. I, 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 I know it's going to be good. Like they have that power to do that, but there's just so little pressure internally put on them to do that, that it's just when you're making money completely hand over fist and you are the, when you think of digital platforms for games, steam is it steam is the digital platform for games. So why would they even remotely think about, Hey, if we don't have to do anything necessarily around built around developing all this whole new slate of games, like why would we waste the manpower, the money to do that when we could easily make the money doing, you know, from getting our 20% cut or whatever it is now, from every game that's sold on here. And sure, mm-hmm. yeah, we'll pop out one game every now and then. We'll still have the visions doing that within the hardware we're, that we're doing, but it's clear that they are, that is like third tier for what they want. And that sucks because I fucking love Valve games. Like, they still hold so much weight, I think, to this day. The fact that, like, like, uh, fucking, uh, why am I blanking on it? Now I gotta fucking pull up because I'm gonna go crazy. Um, fucking Team Fortress 2 is making waves with its player base and people are demanding like fixes to the amount of like bots and cheaters that are in that game speak so highly to about like the craft and what's you know the content that's there the fact that people are still wanting to play this game like whatever it is 15 years later like mm-hmm. come on like <laughs> I don't know it's just it's frustrating um but uh, like I was kind of hinting at earlier, uh, and this is super early, obviously, on this stuff because I just got my Steam Deck yesterday. Um, but I've been playing around with it a little bit uh, in between all the stuff in terms of what I've been playing. Um, still tinkering away with Red Dead 2, but getting the Steam Deck obviously kind of derailed that process a little bit. Um, but played uh, Aperture Desk Job. That was the, thir- the true first thing I actually sat down and played. The first thing I installed and actually booted up was Oblivion just because I was like... <laughs> I got to just make sure that I can have this game now physically on the go whenever I want. Like, I just have to make sure I can do that. Um, and I did. And it works. It, it works like 95% of the way because the it doesn't have native like it has native controller support if you plug in a controller. But for some reason, it doesn't necessarily pick up. It's not like deck verified. So it doesn't it isn't optimized to naturally pick up the thumbstick and button inputs or it is to an extent i should say it's not the menus aren't designed to pick up the button inputs for thumbsticks and face buttons so pretty much like i think it's like trigger is like enter and you have to use the right thumbstick as the mouse pointer um but once you get into a game it works just like you wouldn't once you actually load into your save it works perfectly um which is just weird how like it's like a like yeah seventy five percent of the way with once you get into the application it works fine just how you would think it would but then like the small like minute like quality of life things are whatever I don't expect it for a game that's how fucking old sixteen years old at this point so I'm okay with that I get it <laughs> um, but anyways I but yeah like I was saying I Aperture Desk, desk Job was the first thing I sat down and played it's in and out thirty minute very much a hardware or a demo for the hardware that you're getting but. Like I said, having just even just barely dipping my toe back into Portal's world and universe just makes me just frothing. I was like the whole time I'm sitting there with a smile on my face because I'm like the humor's hitting. This is this is the style of writing I've been wanting to get to for quite some time again. Like I'm just ready to get back into that universe and play portal and not necessarily i have nothing against any of the user content that's created for portal one and two uh or anything like that that's still being totally supported and valve's even you know giving pats on the back to and kind of giving them the green light to go ahead and do this stuff and even like kind of co-sign on it i'm ready to get that next iteration of that and it just sucks because we're probably not going to at least anytime (laughs) soon um but uh besides that yeah just been Jumping into Red Dead still, um, that's, I'm, I, like I said, the Steam Deck kind of derailed me, but at the same time, like, it's going to be nice now having that, because it will be, the big thing, I, the reason I wanted to make sure I got it relatively soon, because my date kept getting bumped back from, I think it was, like, July 12th, I pre-ordered it last year when it went, pre-orders went live, um, 
So I got it like a year later to the date, but but I kept getting bumped back until like Q3. And I was like, honestly, the biggest thing I hope for is that I just get it before I go on my honeymoon because we have a lot of fucking like plane or like flights and shit like that and layovers and stuff to get to Iceland. So like, mm -hmm. I'm like, I want something like, please, I, I so I don't have to drag my fucking laptop or anything like that. I could just take my fucking Steam Deck if I want to. And I could... I don't even have to take my Switch or anything like that either because I could just fucking, like, emulate the fucking Switch on there and just import my saves and get an ISO of the fucking, uh, like, Breath of the Wild or something if I really wanted to play that. Like, it's so much easier to just have this device. Now, outside of that, once we get past, like, trips and things like that, we'll see if I'm still, like, enjoying it as much. But, um, because I feel like that's just going to be, like, hey, this is going to be great to have when molly's watching a show and i don't feel like sitting at the computer i want to kind of hang out with her and continue what i'm playing or mm -hmm. when we go on trips and shit like that like that'll be nice outside of that I, i'm not going to choose to play that over my pc or my consoles it's just nice and you know is that price tag that even though i have had money set off aside for it for quite a while like is that going to be something that i actually am like justified in purchasing kind of thing like long term who knows we'll see but I'm excited to keep playing with it. It's early, early impressions. I fucking love it. It's really dope. Um, it is exactly, it's almost like the, it's almost like the Todd Howard, it just works thing. Like mm -hmm. in actuality, it legitimately just works. Like I, anything I've started up, I've booted up. I've had the, I, I love that you're actually getting, hey, this is an actual PC port because this is an, just a handheld PC for the most part running Linux. Like, it's great that I can just open that up and I can go in. Oh, something isn't running that great. Cool. I'm just going to bump into the settings and like any PC game that I play, I'm going to go into the graphics tab and fine tune it so I can get 60 frames per second on the whatever it is. Like, I think it's like a 1280 or I think it's like a yeah, it's like a 1280 800p screen or something like that. Mm -hmm. So like, you know. I'm okay with bumping down res uh, like I'm okay with bumping down some, you know, texture quality and shit like that to get it to play. Like, like I was booted. I booted up the Witcher three and was playing it at 60 frames per second in my hand. Like that's incredible. I don't care. Like what anybody says, that's incredible to play that in your hand. No, like, it wasn't hooked up to they see it after anything like that, that I'm playing at relatively good settings in my hand at 60 frames per second is over the moon. It has me over the moon, I should say. But anywho, that's pretty much all I've really been playing. Um, like I said, Red Dead's the main thing that I'm still getting into. But when it comes to like the past couple of days, just every night we've been just grinding Left 4 Dead too. Like, <laughs> and I don't see that ending anytime soon. So like, I'm really still in the mood to keep playing that. So I'll probably end up doing that anyways. Um, but anywho, Mike, let's head into our news stories and topics for this week. Uh, Kind of got a few ones, a little bit of a later news week, uh, so maybe a quicker episode, but uh, there are a few we'll that... We'll find a way, we will find a way to milk this for an hour and a half. Oh, yeah. And every <laughs> listener out there will be like, Jesus Christ, guys, get to the point. <laughs> I think everyone at this point, like, knows, like, hey, I'm when I hit play on the episode every Friday morning or whenever somebody gets to it that weekend, they're probably going to see around that. Our sweet spot anymore is, like, I've noticed and it's not been like a thing that like I go out of my way to make sure happens. It just kind of naturally ends up being that way is like an hour 10 to an hour and 20. It's like right mm -hmm. in that area. Like we usually fall. There were a couple weeks in a row. We were like hour 15 on the dot, like back to back to back to back. I'm like, I promise I'm not trying to time this. <laughs> like it's I'm not trying to go for that. Um, but it, I guess it's just like it's funny you bring that up because like I was even thinking about it. I think it must have been right around that point that I noticed. I'm like, man, we were like back to back to back, like right on the money. Um, I was like, man, that's a far cry from like some of our earlier episodes when they were like two and a half hours or like, yeah, we just kept talking and talking. And it wasn't bad. It was just like we just were like, yeah, we just want to keep talking about this shit. Like we're just bullshitting. But from like, you know, a listener standpoint, me personally, I love when I have the beefy podcast, like granted, my commute's long. So like. I like having that to listen to. I love to get a two to three hour podcast. Like that is great to me sometimes, but at the same time too, if I'm just wanting to like dip in and out and listen to it while I'm out running some errands, like 
people probably on the other hand don't want to listen that long like Mm -hmm. and i think that's kind of why we broke it up into like i remember we started with our first ever episode was on mcc and like we broke it up into multiplayer and single player episodes like because that game's just so beefy like yeah i mean you're talking about four video games rolled into one right and there's a lot to cover with those hell even i mean realistically even at that point i think both reach and odst definitely was but i think reach was even involved in that as well like they weren't included with the boxed copy you got but you could buy them Mm -hmm. to be played in mcc so six so five games or six games yeah yeah. so like (laughs) you know like it's gonna take a while <laughs> i'm not gonna I, i'm not expecting anyone to sit there and like in our oblivion episode we like hyped that shit for how long like of course it's gonna be like fucking two and a half hours or whatever like and it still probably wasn't enough no i we still could have fucking sat there and talked about it forever. <laughs> anywho though we'll try to keep it on the rails for you guys a little bit but we know how that goes i'll end up veering off track and be like you know what fellas <laughs> and just fucking wreck it into a school or something but anywho Mike, let's get into our big topics for this. One I wanted to go over with and kind of kick it off with that I think is really interesting because it wasn't that long ago and really coming up not that far in the future, hopefully to see the same success, but that we saw one specific developer known for one very specific thing find a lot of success in a completely different aspect. And of course, I'm talking about Respawn. Um, Known for their multiplayer you know, escapades with Call of Duty, and then now obviously Apex Legends, Titanfall back in the day, you know, then moving over to Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order and having such a massive success with a narrative single player experience really showed their flexibility. And it looks like on top of that, not just from the team that's working on the next, you know, uh, Star Wars entry in the Jedi series, but it looks like Respawn's working on supposedly a single-player FPS game in the Apex Legends universe. This comes from uh, Callum Patterson over at Dextero, as always, link in the description. Respawn Entertainment is working on a new FPS title in the Apex Legends universe, which also happens to be the Titanfall universe, and it appears to be a single-player game. Side note here, or they could just make Titanfall 3. I, yeah, I don't know. Personally, you could follow up to one of the best single-player FPS experiences in the past 10 years. I don't know. You could just fucking do that. Um, but I enjoy Respawn, so, and game development's hard, so maybe there's a reason behind that. Anywho, the new game is in development according to job listings that are hiring devs for the project. There are a few details to be gleaned about what kind of game it will be beyond it being a first-person shooter and single-player based on the description of a, quote, incubate, incubation unit for the new game. Respawn had previously announced that they were working on a new single-player game, although it's unclear if this is the same in-development title or another one. The job listing for a senior engine-slash-systems designer on the Respawn website describes it as, quote, Apex Universe FPS incubation title, presumably a small team working on the game before it is ready for an official announcement. Little else can be learned about the game from the job description other than this particular role will look after, quote, a a wide variety of systems, including collision, physics, audio, what you would expect a systems engineer to work on, and other technical development aspects. Other roles for the team describe it as, quote, brand new Respawn single player adventure. It's certainty, or it's certainly possible that Respawn is building out a story based Apex Legends game, given the rich lore already presented in the Battle Royale. There's also a small but not impossible chance that this game will be or will relate more closely to the Titanfall franchise. Respawn will be keeping their cards close to the chest. There are already some confirmed developers on that team on the team, though, such as Chad Barb, the technical director. Right now, we'll simply have to wait until Respawn is ready to reveal more. Apex Legends as a franchise has been a massive success for both the developer and publisher EA, with a mobile version of the game also just released in 2022. It's no surprise they want to continue to make the most of the brand. So, Mike, Apex, franchise that we both have played in, dabbled in, enjoyed, had highs and lows with it for the most part, but overall, I think, enjoyed playing the game. Um, Mm -hmm. And it's been such a very big, I think, Respawn in general seems to just be that anomaly of ea when you think of the status of ea and when you think of you know uh perception from its consumers and just the industry in general ea seems to have that 
you know, even just recently, they fucking shot themselves in the foot tweeting out, you know, trying to follow the uh, trying to follow the trend of the uh, there are 10 meme on Twitter and tweeted like there are 10, but they only play single player games or something like that. And it's like, OK, just say that you're biased towards multiplayer games because you want to just melt the shit out of people. That's OK. Like, that's fine. Like, we can we can ride that. We already knew that. Yeah. Just be like, at least you're being straight up with it now, I guess. Like, uh, and even like there were guys like Vince Zampella, like the head of one of the heads of Dice, one of the most like famous names in gaming, especially within EA, like a tentpole like person within the industry right now like responding with like the like hand to head emoji like jesus christ like what are you doing like of course like like we don't even have to go into any of the stats that single player games are just as you know popular as multiplayer games if not more at times like it's just another reason why it's like like i said they just continue to shoot themselves on the foot that when you think of respawn though that is that anomaly that is that outlier you know that is kind of pushing like hey we're going to release this battle royale game short for free with microtransactions battle pass what you imagine but not overtly down your throat of like you need to buy this you need to buy this you need to buy this sure if you want new you know i you want new legends to get and stuff like that cool you could do that you can buy that but you're still going to get the base set for free you don't have to pay a dime if you don't want to like I don't think I've ever put a, a cent into this game personally. Um, I I don't think I've ever bought a battle pass or anything like that for it. And I've had, you know, whatever it is, it's got to be close to, you know, 30 to 50 hours out of this game. And I haven't spent a single cent on it. And it's been fucking fantastic. I've had a great time. Um, so, like, at the same time, too, you look at them and you see the success they've had with Jedi Fallen Order and kind of bucking the trend that, EA is most notably known for with multiplayer games, with microtransactions, with making these games live services that need to be on and need to have, you know, a live continuous cash flow in and out of them at all points to generate the most amount of revenue that they seem to really be the kind of really flag bearer potentially of that sect of the industry of the triple a, you know, third party narrative experience. Like, they're pushing out the best content for it right now. Like, arguably, at least when we're talking about, you know, that level from an EA, from a Ubisoft, whatever. But to think about kind of meshing those two together, it kind of reminds me almost of like, hey, we're finally kind of, this is potentially like building something that I think Ubisoft's tried to do. I think you know, even Call of Duty and Activision and, you know, they other studios have tried to do, but I don't think have the setup necessarily to be as successful as Respawn does with what they're trying to do with potentially being this single player Apex game or expanding their, you know, universe of this game. Mm -hmm. Do you think, Mike, like, one, what do you think of, I guess, just right up front, like a single player FPS game or just a single player experience, something new from the Apex Legends universe? So that isn't necessarily the battle royale that it's known for the, you know, the main core experience, you know, does, I guess, it justify everything that people want or the expanse that in the lore that this has that, you know, does this have that bandwidth that they can say, yeah, let's take this out. Let's try something new with it. Um, do you think that's what people are wanting um or you know on top of that i guess too like do you think they're set up in the way that they could have that success of yeah let's have a 10 our tentpole franchise take our experience and you know key assets from who are working on the jedi team to implement some of the things that made that successful and take that into apex you know where are you kind of at with something like that from respawn um, for me, I don't know that much about, um, Apex lore, to be honest. Like, I haven't looked at it at all. I know who the characters are or the playable, uh, characters are, but I don't know, like, anything about their backstories or anything. Um, so I don't, I don't know that I'm the best person to really give an expert, uh, opinion on if it, if it'll work or not. I will say that... The success of games like Doom, um, you know, the the new iteration, uh, I guess you could call it, um, 
leads me to believe that there is room in the space for something like this. Um, because, you know, even though people like me who fiend so hard for uh, multiplayer, a multiplayer experience that's a lot like um, Unreal Tournament, and the only way I can get that is Doom, mm -hmm. um, you know, multiplayer isn't really a a focal point of doom and it never really has been it always was there mm -hmm. but it was never like oh we really need to make sure that we knock uh multiplayer out of the park mm -hmm. um so with a game like that that is so successful um i would say uh unequivocally that there's obviously going to be a lot of room for a single player FPS experience. It just has to be a quality one. And like you're saying, you know, they've made it with Titanfall. Everyone um, that I've ever talked to that have played that have that has played the Titanfall series uh -huh. really enjoyed those games from a single player standpoint. Um, so I would say that they have the opportunity to capitalize on people looking for an experience like that. What that actually looks like uh you know, is is really up in the air to me because I just don't know anything about uh, the Apex lore. I never will. I don't care to go and read third party. Like, I'm not going to yeah. go, like, even when I played League of Legends, like, I'm not going to go on their website and read about the characters, read your 17,000 page, like, quote unquote fanfic, even though mm -hmm. it's not from fans, it's from the developers. Like, I just don't give a fuck. Yeah. Nobody really cares. I mean, some people care, but like, I don't give a shit that Garen is, is Lux's brother. Nobody fucking cares. And no one's actually going to pay attention to that unless people go and actually read it. And people, you know, by and large, um, they might, but I know me, like, I just don't give a shit. Um, I know what the characters do. I know they do X, Y, and Z, and that's what I want. So that's who I'll play, mm -hmm. but I don't care. Um, so what they do with it is really up to them. It'll be a, a brand new experience to me regardless, but I don't know that they're going to make that experience for me because um, I don't know. I don't see myself really uh, getting into it and playing it, to be honest. Uh, uh -huh. I'm more focused on spending what little time I have gaming um, in multiplayer experiences. Now, if it's something like Elden Ring where it just like takes the world by storm, then like, by all means, I'll get into it. But usually um, it has to be really special or uh, something that I have a lot of nostalgia or memories with for me to get involved and spend some of my own time on it if I'm not going to be experiencing it with others like you and Adam. Uh -huh. Yeah, and, and that's, by all means, that's justifiable. I mean, it, that's, I think, the beauty of what I think Apex, or not Apex, but... I think that's kind of the beauty of where Respawn is right now, that they have that ability, at least in my opinion, like from seeing how well they did um, uh, Jedi Fallen Order. I mean, that was my game of the year for the show in 2019. It was my really my game of the year for that year um, that. Seeing how they've handled Apex, seeing how they've handled uh, the single player end of Star Wars, that. I could see them and the care that they put in. And really, I didn't play. I don't think I played or no, I did beforehand. I played Titanfall 2 way after it came out, but it was before Jedi Fallen Order came out. So I think it was like kind of like Christmas time, end of 2018, early 2019, something like that, um, where I played through Titanfall 2 for the first time on the campaign of it. And even then, I should have known like the narrative chops that respawn has like they got it like they can mm -hmm. the writing that they have and i truly mean like i've played a lot of really good single player fps campaigns over the past you know 10 years or whatever mm -hmm. and, and more so in the past handful of years there's been some really fucking good ones to come out i mean doom 2016 is hands down still one of my i think one of the best overall single player experiences you can get period especially first person shooter but in terms of an fps campaign i think and i not really being i don't think i if, for those who have played it i don't think i'm being hyperbolic and saying from the last at least last gen titanfall 2's campaign is probably one of the best single player experiences you can get um i'm not the biggest you know multiplayer guy for titanfall um just because that has never gelled with me that much i didn't really get into the OG Titanfall, and I never really dabbled around too much with Titanfall's Titanfall 2's multiplayer. Um, but the campaign, man, is out of this world. Um, and I really would love to see how they can take that because 
you look at these entities, like you kind of brought up, League of Legends uh, with Riot, and even, you know, now Valorant 2 on top of that, they have all of this fucking lore that's sitting there. And yeah, it's not for everyone. I'm not going to go out of my way and read fanfic like you're saying, or I'm not going to go out of my way to necessarily read the, you know, uh, in-universe, like, books and things like that. That's I'm glad it's out there for somebody. It's not for me, and that's okay. But at the same time, too, you're seeing why when you cultivate that stuff so well and you have universes like that, when you have companies like Riot who have done some shitty fucking things in the past, and that doesn't excuse anything. It's almost like the just a side note because we're talking about this. And I I was laughing my ass off yesterday. Mike, you're a big hockey guy, so of course you're going to get this as well. But like so many people kind of like hyping up the Evander Kane signing with uh, re-signing with the Oilers. And a lot of people are like, oh, that's a good deal. You know what? He's it seems like he's matured there. There's nothing to do in Edmonton. So he'll keep, you know, he'll be he'll be staying straight and stuff like that. And he's really matured, I think, and blah, blah, blah. And I want to be like. Yeah, you know, good for him, I guess, or whatever. Yeah, he may have matured, but you also don't mature over, like, beating your wife. Like, that's Mm -hmm. not something you mature over. That's just, hey, I'm a piece of shit, and I beat women. Like, you have sexual assault allegations as well. Like, I can get, I could see the, like, hey, I gambled on games, or, hey, I, you know, had to file for bankruptcy or some shit like that. Okay, you got money problems or whatever. That's stuff you can learn and grow from, but, like, you're a piece of shit. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I I don't know. You're still you're still a fucking scumbag. Other right. people don't get redemption stories from that because I don't know. There's something it kind of an offshoot. It is it is just something about the hockey community is just so weird. Like yeah, if you're a good player who complains to the officials because you're getting abused every game, you have this like stigma about you. But if you're like a woman beating piece of shit, yeah. um, like you, they'll just like forgive you if you play hard. And like it's just so. They're really weird. Right. You're, <laughs> out, super you're out there culture. getting battery charges and shit like that. And you're like, oh, no, it's good. Like, yeah, yeah. You, it's just one of the good old boys. And it's like, no, fuck that shit. Like, fuck the dudes who are like some of these kids who are up in playing juniors who are, you know, at these billet homes and shit, like going off and just like sexually assaulting girls and stuff and like just mm-hmm. acting like it's no big deal or whatever. You know, I especially like like I Canada's hockey like organization trying to sweep that like governing body trying to sweep it under the rug like no 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 we're good we're good but anyways yeah offshoot to that but like one of those things that it's like you know it doesn't matter some of these things are kind of like uh you can't look past those things and it's just like that's what made me think of that but it's it's just you really like you know yeah, with Riot, it's like it's hard to really kind of look at it and say like, yeah, you know, I this and that, but they're also shitty for like covering up sexual abuse and you know all these allegations and whatnot. But besides that, they've handled yeah, they're they're like live game or their games like in game of Valorant and League of Legends are like a safer space for. Mm-hmm people than their workplaces oh 100 percent, yeah which is pathetic and I mean, it sounds like it's, it, it's a show it sounds like they have uh, to be to granted that's a broad statement across everybody that i'm saying as well like that is very broad not everybody there is it's select individuals that fucking are cancers that need cut out and it sounds like they cut out a lot of that and done a lot of reform and i think that's why so many people now are starting to kind of like or at least in the industry have started to kind of gravitate back towards them because you know at some point, if those people are gone and there's people there who had nothing to do with that, it's like, okay, then, yeah, what good does that do? But but I agree with you, what you're saying, though. But, I mean, yeah, that's that's all I... That's the only point I was going to yeah. make about, about Rito is just, like, how, like, pathetically... Like, how pathetically soft their, their games are, like, in-game chat. And mm-hmm. I'm, like... I'm starting to get a little bit softer in my old age where, like, I I get it. Like, people don't want to get on the game and get abused, like, verbally or whatever. Or they don't want to sit there and just read a bunch of hate messages to it. But then also, I'm, I'm like, I I have the same, uh, I'm the same person who, um, you know, if if you want to fuck around in this find out economy, then, then that's fine. <laughs> you can fuck around and find out. In this economy? <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, it's like, 
but for companies like that who have such a dense amount of lore on their hands, it's not surprising when you see them actually articulate and handle it well that you see them having success, like with having the Netflix show, like with having, uh, you know, Legends of Runeterra and people just gobbling up that, you know, not to mention now, you know, obviously Valorant and the success of that tat and, you know, even recently Shroud getting back in, like pulling, taking, you know, going over, hey, I'm I'm coming back into the game, man, and I'm going into Valorant playing professionally. Like, you know, when you see like actual care being brought into there, like it's no wonder that you see so much success when it branches out. And I think Respawn potentially has that with Apex. Like people are very passionate about what goes on in that game. More so than I would say like, you know, there's been a fucking billion Call of Duties, but every now and then you get like a memorable character out of it. Like Soap. That's like one of the Mm -hmm. ones that like a lot of people kind of talk about. And like, there's a reason why, he's been brought back now to kind of be within the new rebooted version of modern warfare. Like there's a reason why I guess, but like outside of that, there's not many memorable characters. There's not many memorable, you know, instances within that game. I think because, you know, and grant that could also be the, because of the annualization of it and yada, yada. But when you see so many of, you know, you don't see the success that call of duty has outside of it's just, Hey, this is single prong multiplayer where people aren't necessarily investing in the actual lore of the game. It's all there. You've got a fuck ton of it, but nobody's really investing in that long term. I mean, you're getting that with like World of Warcraft and Blizzard, but like even then, like they've been so just like ham fisted about like and kind of like meh about how they want to handle their actual properties within that, especially on the Warcraft end where they have all this, they have fucking mountains of lore to go through and pedal like, but there's nothing that nobody actually wants to actually like invest in because it's all done as kind of cash grabs where mm-hmm. you see Riot and you see how well they've handled that. Like, I think I legitimately think EA could potentially have that with Respawn. And that's a lot to throw EA in there and say, yeah, like I expect they can handle that because, you know, EA has the fun uh, financial backing. They've been very much like almost to a degree of like, hands off with respawn in a way of like i'm sure there is a lot of like hey you have to do this 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 and this like to a degree but like they've been very much it seems like hey yeah you could do this game you could do apex because it's bringing all this money and you could also do kind of whatever within apex like there hasn't really been a big push to like you know hey it needs this and this only this and this only like you're seeing a lot of different time content updates you're seeing a lot of you know obviously they're putting in more uh legends and stuff like that to make money but at the same time too there's also that's the same that's the same that every game that has those does though like every single game that releases characters in time like that um make them like basically op as fuck because they want people to be like oh i i want to use that character because he's op as fuck and i need to buy him now because he's brand new and then after a while, they finally will update and, like, balance those characters out. Mm-hmm. But, like, yeah, I agree. Like, I don't think that they've really acted as maliciously as other companies have with cash grabs. No, which is crazy to think about, because when you think EA, like, I think of instantly, like, Star Wars Battlefront 2 and how fucking diabolical <laughs> that was. And then just basically, like, yeah, you want to play as Luke Skywalker? That will be either you know, a thousand hours worth of your time, or you could pay like $500 and get them right now. Like, wait, what? Like, and that's not mm-hmm. even, and that's not even looking at like Diablo Immortal and Blizzard. Like I'm saying more or less just on a triple A, like, Hey, I just paid $60 for this star Wars game that is promoting. I get to play as Luke Skywalker. Cool. I want to do that. Oh shit. I don't have the card for him. I can just keep buying packs for a, a one in fucking a thousand chance to get him, Or I can just keep grinding to eventually get, just go and unlock him and get enough free points, but that'll be fucking, you know, a thousand hours. Like, I don't know. It's anyways, though, it's very, it seems like we're in a very different reality when it comes to how EA is kind of letting almost in a hands-off approach of, okay, this is successful. They obviously have something going here, both single player and multiplayer and the two prongs that they have. I'm just going to, we're good, hands off, you know, like, yeah, meet X, Y, and Z every year, but 
you it almost is like hey we don't know what the fuck we're talking about we'll let the people who do talk like it, more people should be and more things in life should be like that i think like <laughs> if you don't know what you're talking about that's totally fine let the people who do know what they're talking about talk and learn about that and then talk about it like ask questions about it but don't you know like well i don't know anything about that but like this is why it should be that okay well that doesn't fucking help anything <laughs> mm-hmm. anywho though um so i'm excited to see where this goes i mean them I'm, I'm excited to see what really apex in general because i think that's going to be the biggest test of where this franchise is and what's going on with it where it's going to be in five years and you know it's obviously proven hey this is you know there's a reason why they haven't touched titanfall as it's in the same universe and this is far more successful than what titanfall's had but at the same time too i think that opens them up to the success that they've had with apex to kind of go back into those corners yeah it may not be a straight up titanfall game but that doesn't mean that we won't get a Titanfall add-on to Apex Legends or this side story or this expansion to Apex Legends that, yeah, it's 30 bucks or whatever. Cool, you could buy it, and you get a six-hour campaign out of it. Like, that's cool. Like, you can mm-hmm. you just unlock it. Apex is a platform, and you can unlock this, and that's great. And that just builds into the universe. And that, to me, is, like, that's what I want out of a lot of these now, like, kind of entity pillars that we have in gaming, these franchises that... They are live service, but more of the service end is more than just like, hey, cosmetics and shit. Like, we're getting, I'm investing into Destiny. I'm investing into whatever. And like, especially something like Destiny, like, it's cool that I can go in there. This season, there's going to be this mode. But also, too, this season, you can go in there and there's a new story mission that's focused on this. And we want to make sure we're expanding the story this way. And you're getting a slice of life from this character this this season. Like, things like that that aren't just singly pronged at, oh, yeah, I got new skins that I can unlock in the battle pass. Like, things like that. And I think Apex is in a really interesting position to potentially really work with that, um, given its size. But... Anywho, Mike, let's head on to our next topic I wanted to talk about. And it's about a studio that we're both really fond of overall, um, especially one of our favorite horror games uh, until dawn. But Supermassive has been acquired by Nord Disc Games. Uh, this is from Marie uh, Della, Della Res- Andri. I am so sorry. I butchered the fuck out of that. Over at gamesindustry.biz, go over there. Check out Marie's work. Uh, she's a features editor over there. But link it will be in the description. Go over there and check out her work, even though I butchered her name. Um, Nordis Games has acquired Until Dawn in the Dark Pictures Anthology developer Supermassive. The terms of the acquisition have not been disclosed. Nordisk has already taken a 30.7% stake in Supermassive last year, with the studio now becoming its third wholly owned studio. CEO and founder of Supermassive, Pete Samuels, commented, quote, It's been a little over a year since Nordisk Games made an initial investment in Supermassive Games and our vision for the future. During that time, we have found that we share a lot of important values with Mikkel, uh, Mikkel Weider, uh, CEO of Nordisk, and his team, and we believe these values to be equally important to our existing commercial prop- partners, who we will continue to support. Quote, having had such a positive experience over the past year, it wasn't a difficult decision when Nordisk wanted to explore increasing their investment. We have an exciting and ambitious growth strategy for Supermassive Games, and Nordisk Games' ownership only enhances that. I'm hugely excited about where the uh, security offered by the partnership and continued access to experience or expertise within Nordisk games will take us next End quote. So Mike, you haven't had a chance to play the core yet. Um, I have, I think it's a step in the right direction for um, where that studio needed to go and is going um, where the dark pictures anthology has kind of been a little more hit or miss. Um, but both of us have really been kind of heralding and been kind of these flag bearers of Until Dawn, um, given how <laughs> much fun that game was. As as campy and corny as it is at times, it's a fantastic game to sit around, pass the controller around, and have a good time with your buddies. Um, but it's interesting to see them in this position and kind of continued, at least for a while, to be this hired gun, per se, um, being this kind of standalone, you know, and granted now having investors and in, you know included in that and now being outright owned by Nordisk Games but kind of being this hired gun of you know hey we're going to either get this public like 
uh, Dark Pictures Anthology, published by Bandai Namco. The Quarry, published by 2K. Until Dawn, published by Sony. Like, kind of saying they were really good at, I think, picking up and saying, hey, here's what we're working on and pitching it to people and saying, hey, you fit in our wheelhouse. You know, I think we fit in your wheelhouse. You fit in ours. Let's make something happen. You know, I guess looking at the future then, Mike, as somebody who is a fan of their games and is a fan of what they're doing, what are you hoping for, for, I guess, not only just Supermassive, um, you know, and what you're wanting on them, where you kind of want to see them go next, and hopefully now, obviously, the big thing being, I'm sure, hey, we have financial support in case something goes, you know, just ass up, and we, you know, hey, our one game we put out flops, well, at least we know we have financial security that we don't have to worry about instantly being out of a job. Um, and, you know, I'm sure that is a main crux of why they're doing that, but in general, I guess, for kind of these hired gun studios we see a lot that kind of bounce around from publisher to publisher, you know, what does a move like this, I guess, say for that, And you know, in addition to that of, you know, is this the right move that you want to see kind of these, not independent studios, but these double-A studios that are making these quality games but don't have necessarily an overarching, you know, entity over them? Kind of like, is this the move that we're going to start to see overall kind of being acquired? Um, yeah, I think there has been a lot of precedent set recently within the video game industry business side of it that has led to smaller companies kind of getting gobbled up by bigger companies. And there's a lot of different reasons for that. Um, I think that it's definitely a sign of like, hey, we like what you guys have been doing. And, you know, we see a business need that you can fill we can profit off of this relationship and i think you guys will also profit off of it off of us because you won't be going um door to door you know kind of knocking on the door saying like, hey this is what we have are you interested and when people tell you to fuck off you just go to the next <laughs> the next person or you know i'm sure there's sometimes where maybe you just go to the highest bidder where one company's like oh yeah we'll give you this and it's like well that's not that good of a deal let's see what <laughs> so and so can give us and that saves a lot of time and bullshit um i will say uh on the super massive side of things um you know i don't know how the relationship worked out with them with Sony and how they got to until dawn, because you can see that the skeleton of the studio that made that game is there. Um, and when I say that, I mean like the quarry, you know, for all intents and purposes, you know, was kind of like until dawn in Ooh. some ways, like the choices system, all that stuff. It was, it was very much more, I co I felt much more of an Until Dawn experience with the quarry than anything I felt in the Dark Pictures Anthology. And that's not beating mm -hmm. up on that, but I felt very much so that the quarry was very much like a spiritual successor to what Until yeah. Dawn laid before. And I will say that, like, from what I've seen from the quarry, because I have watched some gameplay of it, um, there's a lot to like there, but I also have read a lot of reviews and watched some streamers and their opinions on it. And it's it's uh you know, it's it's one of those things where it's like, well, it's better than everything else, but and as a game studio, that's not really what what you want, right? Like you don't want people to say, Well, it's better than their other games, but it's still not what I want. You know what I mean? Or it's not it's it's halfway to until dawn is 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 how i've seen some people explain it like you know until dawn was a, a super special experience i loved it and this is not that but it is closest it's closer than anything we've experienced recently which is the same sentiment that you've echoed just today and um for me i just hope that this gives super massive the freedom and takes the you know stress off of them to um, make something that other studios thinks will sell so they want to invest in and then i hope that this free supermassive up to you know really truthfully roll up their sleeves and get into making a game um you know that's as special as until dawn and i understand that like and i've said this before on this podcast and i'll say it again it's okay if supermassive was a one-hit wonder it's okay like mm -hmm. in my opinion um and, and some people may disagree with me. Uh, some people even on the show may disagree with me. Um, I think 
to be completely and totally honest, that for all intents and purposes, uh, The Wolf Among Us uh, was a one-hit wonder with Telltale Games, period. Mm -hmm. Like, you can enjoy the other games if you want, but, like, there's nothing that they've released that is anywhere close to the experience that A Wolf Among Us really was. And they might never, you know, I know that that studio has gone through some turmoil, so I don't want to, like, get off onto an on-shoot about, off-shoot about where that studio is going, and, you know, Mm -hmm. we've talked about that, but it's okay if, like, some of these studios come up with or are wind up being one hit wonders. But what becomes frustrating to me is like when the formula is there and they just refuse to dip back into it. Mm -hmm. Like the formula for success is there. And if you are more worried about um, creative freedom than replicating success, that's okay. But like people are going to be kind of harsh on you because it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to consumers or gamers when it's like you just completely ignore what was successful before and just come out with new things just because you want something you want to work on something new. Um, so, again, I don't know what the relationship looked like with Sony to get until dawn uh, to come out. But if if they came out with a newer game that was a bit more like until dawn Uh i'm not the only person who would be more appreciative of that than a new ip like the quarry like the quarry um you know if it's going to come up short of of what until dawn was because as as a quote-unquote spiritual successor i agree that like that game is more like until dawn than anything else but like i would have to say that it's a regression um away from until dawn unfortunately and i just hope that this deal somehow gets them into a position where they can finally get over the hump and make something that was better than until dawn and it's going to be hard to do in my opinion in my eyes other people might feel differently but um you know that's where i hope they get to go now that they've kind of inked this deal and they've locked it in and now hopefully they're not going to have to worry about pitching something new to a different studio every week yeah, and, and that's, I think, the most important thing out of this and why I'm personally more happy to see these kind of moves be made. Um, and even, and it doesn't have to be fully bought out or anything like that, um, but just these these double more double-A studios or these, like I've been saying, kind of hired gun studios that have gone out and done some really interesting projects and different things that have either, you know, maybe, you know, metaphorically flirted with, you know, uh, a first-party publisher like a Sony or a Microsoft or something like that, um, but have really kind of never had that true like umbrella that they're under. You know, now have that funding that they can go out and they can make whatever they want and don't have to necessarily worry about. Hey, we got to worry. Let's find you know, and they can still find publishing partners. Don't get me wrong. Like I wouldn't be shocked if there's still you know if there still is a you know, partner that Supermassive finds out there with, you know, 2K or they extend their partnership with 2K. But it gives them the financial stability to, if they want to make a smaller experience or if they want to even take maybe something like the Dark Pictures Anthology and keep that internalized and kind of just self-publish that. I don't know what the actual investment looks like or anything or when that'll be disclosed, but, you know, that might be something that is feasible then, that they can keep that internal and they could, they don't have to necessarily cut anybody a certain amount of, you know, they don't have to cut out a piece of the pie for somebody. They don't have to worry about shit. If we don't meet these expectations from an EA or uh, Ubisoft or whoever, if we don't meet those expectations, we're losing a shit ton of money and we are losing jobs and we're just not going to make another video game. They have that now where they could turn and say, you know, the investors are there to then say, or at least the investment group that has put forth the money into them, they can now turn to them and say, this is what we're doing or them say, or, you know, the investment, uh, the company that is investing in them say, we like you because you do this. We want you to have the freedom to do this and not worry about, you know, yeah, we want it to sell, but we don't have to worry about selling 10 million copies of this game. Like make what you want and do the best work of your ability. Don't worry about closing shop. If you, if this one doesn't hit, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Like, if you we've seen what you can do at your best ability, we want you to continue doing that, like doing having the financial uh, security 
to just do what you guys do best and not worry about if it sells 10 million copies is more, to me, pushes the idea of more of you're going to get your best work out of this development crew and probably get to the point where you get an experience that worth, is worth selling millions and millions of copies. So, you know, that's what I want. It, it's just financial security is, the I think, the biggest thing that everyone's really taking out of these do uh, that everyone is kind of getting out of these deals. And that to me is the most sensible thing. Um, not to mention, you know, everyone knows at least here in the U S of how just downright fucking brutal the economy is right now with, you know, inflation being at an all time high right now and where it's going, it isn't stopping. Like, you know, it's and just supply chain issues on top of that too. I didn't even think about that. Like we're still facing all of these things. Like, Knowing that you're going to have a, you know, a place that you can continue to work at and not have to worry about and continue your art and, you know, what's going on, the craft that you're working on and not have to worry about a day from, you know, as soon as this game doesn't perform, we're done. It's you have that ability to say, OK, that didn't hit. Why didn't it hit? Let's go back to the drawing board and let's go back at it. Then you're instantly losing your job. So. Um, to me, that's what I want to see out of these deals, I guess, long term. And that's what I'm hoping that we get out of Supermassive because they're fucking incredibly talented. They're great. Um, I just want to see them have the ability to make the shit that is great, that they're so great at making, I should say, um, like Until Dawn, like the Quarry, like these things that they don't have to worry about a Bandai or a 2K. I don't know how that relationship, either of those relationships are, but just blanket statement, worried about that publisher being like, Hey, that didn't work out. Um, contractually, you were supposed to hit here. You owe us this much, mon this much money now. And yeah, basically, you guys are out of a studio now. Like, mm -hmm. that's the shit. So, anywho, Mike, I think that's going to do it for our episode this week. Why don't you tell people where they can find you on the internet, talk about everything we talked about today, whether it is the fucking... Uh, Steam Deck I talked about for a while, uh, Left 4 Dead 2, talked about a lot about Apex and Respawn, um, obviously what we just talked about was super massive, everything, all the nerdy shit we talk about. Also too, I'm obligated to say halo now, halo, 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 even though we did talk about it earlier, but making sure we get our okay. halo quota in for the week. Um, where can people find you online? To talk about all those things. Yeah, you can find me where the bluebird sings. Shout out to the birthday boy, Adam, uh, at T O Y S X L D I E R. That's toy soldier. And the second O is an X, or you can find me on Twitch at MP underscore toy soldier. Nice. And as always, I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelist on most internet platforms, including at Travelist underscore on Twitter. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S -S underscore. You'd also find me streaming time to time on twitch.tv slash Travelist underscore, same as Twitter. And if you want to play some video games with me on any platform, really, but specifically on Xbox Live, it just you can find me at just regular old Travelist to play some video games. That's T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S. And of course, ladies and gentlemen, this has been your newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and of course, PC gaming, including news rumors and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, raise, review us, interact with us wherever you get a podcast at. And if we're not on there, let me know. I'll get us on there. And, of course, follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay to date with everything regarding the show, video games, like, and our dope giveaways. And Mike, with that being said, it's going to do it for our episode this week. Thank you, everyone, so much for listening, sharing, and being a part of our growing community. Game on, watch your hands, listen to the doctors. Black Lives Matter. And we will see you next week.